everybody. Grab your Bible and a pencil and a journal and maybe even a cup of coffee and join in on our conversation. But first, I would like for you to write this down. Joshua 4, verses 2 through 5. Take for yourself 12 men from the people, one man from each tribe, and command them, saying, Take up for yourself 12 stones from here out of the middle of the Jordan, from the place where the priest's feet are standing firm, and carry them over with you and laid them down in the lodging place where you will lodge tonight. So Joshua called the twelve men whom he had appointed from the sons of Israel, one man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, Cross again to the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan, and each of you take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of tribes of the sons of Israel. everyone. Welcome to Write This Down with Dot Bowen. My name is Kara. I am Dot's daughter, and we sit down together every week and we talk through truth and scripture. And we are finishing up the book of Joshua in this episode and really talk about how God provides and how it helps us to remember what God's done, to remember who he is and what it looks like to keep that perspective in the day-to-day mundane life, and especially when we're facing battles. So we are really glad that you're here, and we would love for you to pull up a chair and join in our conversation. Hey, Kara. Hi, Mom. Here we are in Joshua. Here we are. We've been talking about it for a couple of weeks, and I don't want to rush through Joshua, actually, because it's an amazing, amazing book. It's just a powerful story that God has given us to show us how we work. Joshua and the Battle of Jericho. Jericho. <laughs> Jericho. It is funny because a lot of people think of the promised land that it's called heaven. And in heaven, you don't have oh. battles. So you are correct in the fact yes. that there was a battle and they had to dress came for battle. Walls and down. That's right. But the, yes. Yes, they did. And I would say that it is an inspiration to us in the fact that when God does something and He, you know, is doing miracles and He's with them and life is, you know, good between the Israelites at this point, the time, and God, Joshua and God, and yet they still have battles and they still have struggles, you know, because a lot of people think, oh, if my relationship with God is perfect and if I were to lived this perfect life, and I studied and meditated on Scripture, if I prayed all the time, if I went to church, if I gave money to the church, if I gave money to the poor, you know, whatever I have to do, make that little checklist, that life would go good. And I do think that there's an encouragement in Joshua, because when God promised Joshua to, to cross over, that they were going to take hold of every bit of the land that he had promised, he said, no matter where you step, you, that's your land, and nobody can come against you. And yet, we know that immediately after Jordan, there's a little rest. They are circumcised, which seems a little strange to all of us. But circumcision was a sign. We've been talking about symbols and signs. But was a sign of consecrating their hearts and being devoted and surrendered to God. And so here are this people, here are these people, this generation that had come out of the first generation. They were the children of the first generation. So they were the second generation. They weren't circumcised. And so, that's right. And so they had to be circumcised. And the reason being is they had to surrender to the Lord. And so here they are in this very vulnerable stage, I might add, dressed in battle array, and now they're having to be circumcised. 
But I feel like it's just interesting that they do have to struggle. They do have they do have battles. Well, I think it's interesting two things that are going along what you're saying. I'm just going to say it a different way, basically. But Mm -hmm. because I think, like you said, people think like, oh, I'm entering into the promised land or whatever you think God's promised you or whatever you think God's had for you, Mm -hmm. God has for you. And we tend to assume that it'll be easy. Like, oh, well, this, if this was difficult, then, and I do think that sometimes opposition, I think there's discernment in that because I do think if there's something that, is not the Lord, there will be opposition. But I think there's, it's like a different kind of opposition. And that might be a whole nother thing to go into. But anyway, all to say is I think, yes, there was a battle that they had to fight. It's not heaven. Yeah. But then I think it's interesting that before they fight the battle though, that they are circumcised. Like it's after they cross the Jordan and before they start their battles. And I think, you know, for us, the circumcision Mm -hmm. isn't necessarily literal, but it's our heart. Like that's the New Testament, right? Like the New Testament parallel to the circumcision that we see in the Old Testament is our heart. Like in terms of, and what I mean by our heart is I think it's like. Well, it's dedicated. Yeah, it's like kind of like cutting away kind of. It's totally dedicated, committed to God. Yeah. But you remember Abraham, that's where it started, where God told Abraham, you know, to circumcise Ishmael and to be circumcised. Ishmael was 13 and. Abraham was like 99. And so I think that that was just a, another, again, we talked about the art of the covenant where it'd be a symbol. That was just an outward uh, evidence that they were that they were a people of God because they were people that worshiped Jehovah in a land that worshiped many, many gods. And that was just a personal awareness, a remembrance of the fact that they were consecrated and surrendered and worshiped. Jehovah. Well, I think that is something important to remember, and I have to remind myself, reading the Old Testament of the culture at that time was so, I can't think of the word right now, but basically like they worship many gods. Like that was very, that was the norm. Like they were so abnormal to worship one God. And so they probably did need that reminder. You know, for us, it's not super common that- Oh, we worship a lot of gods around here. Well, but I just mean like that type of Religion is not super common, at least in America, probably in other countries, yes. But in America, whether whatever the God is that you worship, usually it's just one God. So anyway, I just think that it was so against, it's always against culture. Yeah, I think it's more of a reminder to them because, you know, God would warn the people over and over again, when you go into these lands, don't be like them. And it was just a reminder to them that they're, that they had surrendered and that they were children of God, Jehovah. And I think that as they were getting over and they were circumcised before they could go into battle, before we any of us can go to the battle, even though actually God wanted them to realize it was Him that was going to fight this battle because, you know, they walk around the walls of Jericho that you were beautifully, you know, sung right then. But, you know, it's one of those things of God was constantly doing things to not only remind the people the Israelites, but the people around them, that he was the one true and only God. And so that was that was part of that. And I think that the 12 stones, when they went to get the 12 stones, there was one in the Jordan to remind them that every time uh, the Jordan would, you know, be less water, like it would, you know, the water wouldn't be as high at, at certain times. And we know that when they crossed over, it, it was high time. It had a lot of water. and But there would be many times that the water wouldn't be 
overflowing the Jordan banks, and people would see those 12 stones. Now we have another pair of 12 stones, and this time they are placed at Gilgal. And I find this so interesting because God says, I want you to be reminded because most Christians have spiritual amnesia. They forget what God's done. And you would think, well, if I walked through the Jordan on solid ground, and I'm walking through like these huge— Yeah, you have walls of water next to you. Yeah, You know, huge walls of water, and it's not getting me wet. Like, my hair's not even frizzing. Like, what's going on here? You know, it's a— you would think you'd never forget that, but because we are people that do forget what God's done, we just tend to do it, that God wanted them, as they began to move into the land that God had for them, that they would place that remembrance to remind them that God was faithful, God was powerful, and God was on their side. And I think it's very, very interesting in the fact that it was placed at Gilgal. Gilgal, it was like their camp. That way, like everything then from this point on came through and was a part of Gilgal. Like that was their base camp. And I just find it very interesting that God wanted them to place these stones where they lived so that they would be a reminder that this is what God has done in their life and, and this is the power and this is who God is. I think God is constantly trying to show us who he is and wants his children to understand now who he is. And so it's at this place that now they've, they've erected these, you know, 12 stones, but it's now not in this place where it's a miracle has been placed. It's not in this place where the river, the Jordan rivers, you know, they look at and go, oh, I remember that. No, this is at home. This is the everyday living. This is where they're going to be moving, you know, forward from. And I think that that's a message for us, that we're always looking for a miracle. We're always looking for God to just step in and take all of our problems away and take all of our battles and all of our struggles away. And God wants us to know that He is still God, and He is always God, and He's always with us, and He's always powerful, and He never changes, and His promises never changes in our everyday life, in the where, where we live today. You know, I do believe with all my heart that we see God's presence, we talked about that last week, powerfully in situations that are miracle situations. Yeah, like there's no explanation. Right. And, and you're like, oh, wow, I can really see God. But God wants us to see Him in everyday situation, not living just for this experience. And that's where we get in trouble. And that's what Gilgal Represents not the Jordan River experiences the wake up day in day out. Mm-hmm. You always love to talk about when Peter and them <laughs> went to the mountain and yeah, I just think it's a fu- it's a funny moment with Peter because I just think you really see his personality in that moment at the mountain of transfiguration mm-hmm. in the Gospels. Yeah, because you have this like I don't even know what this would be like. You see like Jesus lit up like. Mm-mm. I was gonna say like a Christmas tree, but not even that. Like, yeah, yeah, like bright. brighter than the sun. Yeah, yeah. Bright, um, brighter than the like sun. Like lit up, and then you see Elijah and Moses, and you're like these pillars, and they're mm-hmm. you know these are Jewish men. They very well they know who these men are. They're like heroes of their faith, revered in ours too, uh-huh. but especially for these Jewish men. And right. Anyway, and 
leaders. Like, I think it's good that we make tents for everyone. And, you know, he just, <laughs> this is a good this place. This is a good place. And you're yeah. like, yeah, what are you saying right I, yeah. now? Like, you could just like, I feel like you could just like feel uh, yeah, his yeah, yeah. nervousness oh, yeah. and his like, oh, I think this is a really great idea. Let's get tents for everyone. And you're like, I'm so sure you're standing in this, like, fall on your face, Peter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Enjoy the moment, Peter, for the love. Stop trying to worry about a construction building plan. I just think that shows such the humanness of the disciples, which is why I love how Peter is depicted in that story. Yeah. And I think that that says something about just all of us. We just tend to want to have those mountaintop experiences. Well, we want to do something. We want... And I think that's what a lot of Peter is like. He's wanting, he's just always wanting to like do for the Lord, which is great. Whereas, you know, mm-hmm. John, yeah. which I love John, he is more of like, he just rests in Jesus's presence. And really, it seems mm-hmm. like John really does enjoy the moments with Jesus and probably why he's known as the mm-hmm. beloved because he truly just kind of rested. Well, I mean, you hear a lot about, you know, even at the Last Supper where John was, you know, really rested on the, you know, the chest, literally on on Jesus, and so there was this intimate time with him. And, and not that Peter wasn't, but I just think Peter had that type personality to want right. to do, and you know, like let's like, like a fixer type person, always on the go, rushing, and mm-hmm. not just like just be, like just soak it, soak this in, and be, yeah. so yeah, I, I was gonna say, I feel like I have dual emotions about the whole stones of remembrance and remembering what God's done kind of thing. Because Mm -hmm. I do see that. I mean, there are definitely things in my life, like Jordan Rivers, where I'm like, that was definitely the Lord, like needing to remind myself of what he's done in the past. But at the same exact time, Mm -hmm. that's also where I lose hope as well, because I look at what he hasn't done. It's like, well, you you haven't done this. You've Mm -hmm. never you know, you've never answered this prayer or you've never provided this or you've never, you know. So I think that's where I have mm-hmm. like a almost like the enemy can get me tripped up sometimes when I do look at what God's done because I think sometimes he wants me to look at what he's not done and assume that he will never do it because he's not done it. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense that Satan would definitely would do that. And that's the enemy. And it is for one sole purpose. And that is to to keep you from trusting God to do what only God can do. I think that the stone of remembrance was not an, a symbol or was not set up for them to look at to see what God has not done. It was a symbol to show what God had done. And so the enemy always comes in and takes and twists something of God and takes it to the other extreme. You're one of many. I mean, I, don't, I know you don't like for me to say that you're one of no, a kind. I like you, I like you to say that one of a kind. We all struggle with <laughs> I know, it's what I mean. No, I but know. This is one of yeah. many's of Satan's attack in that it's what God hasn't done. And, and that's the whole purpose of the stones is to remind them what God is doing and what God's capable of doing. And it usually needs to be reminded in those silent moments. It's in those moments when you're sitting there waiting on God to answer a prayer. It's during those times when you think God has forsaken you. It's those times when you think God's not listening to your prayers. You have to go back, and that is that is an inspiration, or should be, an inspiration to remember that God is on your side. God is answering your prayer. You know, Abraham and Sarah, as you love Abraham in, in that story, they, they prayed for many, many years. 
you're not the first one to be praying for something that God hasn't yet brought it to flourishing. Now, it doesn't mean he's not working on it. It may be that he's preparing your heart to get ready to receive it. And that's one of the biggest things about the promised land and the preparation that's in the very beginning of Joshua. But it, the stones, Kara, is not only for you to remember what God has done and that he's capable and his heart is that he wants to give good things to his children, but it's also for the people around you. And that was what this these stones were for, is for the people around you to encourage them as well. And I think your life has been an encouragement to others. I know that you talk and you tease a little bit about being weary, you're not teasing, I guess, uh, feeling, you know, struggling with hopelessness. And <laughs> Well, the I like to make jokes out of my, my grief. Yeah, yeah, hide behind <laughs> it, behind the joke. But, and I understand that. But I think that we also know that our lives have never was meant to keep to ourselves. And so whatever God is doing in and through your life, there's going to be someone watching your life. There's someone that is watching how you respond. There's some people on this uh, conversation, on these recordings and these episodes of listening to you and knowing, you know, that you do have struggles. I, I don't think that God is just wanting us to have struggles so that other people can see that he's powerful and that you can have the faith to, you know, to endure. I think God never intended for us to have struggles. I think God never intends for us well, yeah, the garden. to be defeated. Yeah, the garden. Yeah, the sin came on the earth. That was not God's intent. That's not in Genesis 1 and 2. So God's intent was Genesis 1 and 2. Man's intent was in Genesis 3. So the the thing that we have to remember is that God is for us. And if God hasn't answered a prayer or if God hasn't performed, and you know, you know, I'm preaching to the choir here, so often my biggest re- regret sometimes of not trusting God to move forward is because I'm afraid to fail or I don't feel like I'm good enough. And, you know, ironically, all of a sudden I'm in the middle of the circle when in reality God needs to be in the middle of the circle and he is capable of doing that. And that's why I have to need my focus on that. That's what we talked about last week about seeing God's presence in a really hard and difficult dark time. God's light is there's always a glimmer of light, even in the darkest night, because you have Jesus. So I think that these stones are just as a reminder because he knew that they were going to be not only to for them, but others, but he knew that they were going to be discouraged because now there, you know, there are battles to be won. There's land to be divided. There's now we got to live it out, and that's what Gilgal means. It's like, how do you live on an everyday basis, consistent to trust God? It's easy to trust God. Kara, I'm preaching, you know, I am because every woman that I sit around and and they ask to have coffee with me or they want to talk to me is never to just praise God for all the things He's done. They're wanting advice to know how to live through hard times and still trust God. And I think that that's what these stones are. Like, remember, when things get tough, I'm on your side. When you feel like I haven't abandoned you or I don't love you, look at the cross. Like, what more can God do to show us that he loves us? And it's just like a kid at at Christmas opening up these presents, and you know what you've done to get that present, and then... They're opening it up and throwing it, and they play with the box. 
And they're like, oh, I'd rather have the box. And, you know, it were just like this lust of, well, thank you, God, and then move on. And then the minute that God isn't doing what we think he should do, we're very prone to walk away. And I think that that's what God is saying to us. You know, in Joshua, you're going you're gonna to cross over here and you're going to be a battle. And you need to be careful. And, you, and, you know, again, don't forget what your parents did. Your parents did not enter into the promised land. Oh, right. Like you're not, like we're, none of us are above right. falling away or, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know, like being like the first generation Israelites, not, not entering into it. But I think the biggest thing, or at least what I feel, because like I said last week, my word being hope and part of me, I'm like, I don't know how to fight for that. But what, in just these first, you know, couple weeks of January in the new year of really fighting through prayer with mm-hmm. it. And I think that's a lot of the day-to-day in Gilgal is like, and we, you see Joshua, mm-hmm. he's in prayer. You know, he, before battles, yeah. he prays in the middle of them, you know, mm-hmm. like all, I mean, that whole sun stand still moment, like that was yeah. prayer. So I feel like that's something for me in my personal day-to-day of like being challenged with. And I think at least for where I'm at, I think there's something super powerful about having a moment you get on your knees and you, I know you do that and you pray before the Lord or if you have a journal or whatever, I feel like where I'm at is simply just starting. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, you know, I may not have a designated time. I may not have a designated place. I'm not a big journaler. I wish I was. And I want to try to figure out a system for me to, because mm-hmm. I would like to journal in some way, but I just haven't found anything that actually works that's like sustainable. But I feel like God's like, just don't worry about any of that mm-hmm. stuff right now. Right. Like, it's okay if you don't, you know, have this like get down your knees kind of moment. Like prayer is just talking to me. Mm-hmm. And so it's just, it's more like just opening your heart and, it is more you the know, posture of your heart. Letting him in and yeah, and just, and just talking to him mm-hmm. and having that conversation and kind of starting there. And then, you know, maybe over time as I get, as I do it more and more. Because I would like to have more like intentional times, yeah. but anyway, I just think like that's a lot of the day to day. That's the a lot of yes. that Gilgal making and getting through those mm-hmm. moments is like is is prayer because that we see that so much in these battles, and that's and that's the presence of God, mm-hmm. you know. And you know, I think just you know, last week when I was talking about sitting there and watching the ocean, you don't think I wasn't down on my knees in the sand, but I was talking to God. You know, I was watching and looking at what He was doing. I was looking at His creation. I'm not on my knees on the sand when I'm looking at a sunset. But there are moments in my life, and I can name them, where when I was talking to God, I could not stand. Uh, there have been moments in such uh, anguish that was going on, such darkness, that I felt that I did fall on my knees and I did cry out to God. But I I don't think that those are everyday situations. Right. I feel like the challenge of, like, if I don't have a moment where I'm like, okay, like I'm going to go, go before, like go Mm -hmm. get on my knees, have a, like, I don't have to do that every single morning. It's just more of just praying. Yeah, That's more so what I mean. Like, yes, there are definitely moments where I fall on my face or fall on my knees and, you know, that sort of thing. But I just mean, you know, like praying throughout the day. I mean, that, and that's what he says. And, you know, that's what he asks of like, just continue being in that constant communication with him. An awareness of his presence. Yeah. Cause I think a lot of you know, like I said, my word being hope, our hearts can easily be hardened. Mm-hmm. 
you know, especially if we're not remembering what he did, you know, especially if we're not looking at those stones. Like I think our, it's just like our hearts are prone to wander. I think our hearts are prone to get hardened. And so I think, you know, it's just like any relationship, like constantly being like showing up in that relationship day in, day Mm -hmm. out, even through like the mundane, mundane moments. You know, as, as you know, I have this habit. I have this, you know, consistent thing that I do every morning getting on my knees. Now, that doesn't make me more spiritual, and I'm not one of God's favorites. I am a favorite of His because He loves me. But, but so am I. But so yeah. are you, and so everybody else. So, uh, but but the reason that I developed that habit to getting down on my knees and praying is not because I was trying to get God to do something for me. I wasn't trying to manipulate. I wasn't trying to act like I was so holy that look at, you know, God, now I'm, I mean, look, me, I mean, some people pray in the car, some people pray on their way. I am down on my knees like, you know, this gives me a couple of points with you. That's, that's not it at all. It started when I began to struggle during the day trying to be God. I tried to manipulate my way. I tried to do everything I can to make my life the way that I thought that it should be. And I got discouraged and I got, you know, just weary of trying to do things or trying to manage my day and my time and my family and everything that I needed to do. And I wanted everything to work out well and I wanted it all to go well. And I wanted everybody to rise up and think that I'm a great mom and I wanted people to like me. And, you know, and all of a sudden your life starts falling apart. You realize you're really not God, and you can't be God, and you can't be everything to everybody. And so this habit started out of my awareness that I needed to be reminded. It's kind of like the 12 stones. I needed to be reminded as I bow before God every day, I'm reminded I'm not God, and that He is to be worshiped. He is in control, and I'm not. And I think that that's where that started. So it wasn't that I started bowing before God or getting on my knees every day just to have this conversation with God. But it ended up and started growing in that. But it really was motivated my of my need to be really dependent and trusting, you know, in God to be God, of, you know, dot bowing and for me to stop. And so praying and, and Joshua, you know, prayed. And, and, you know, as you read through all of the scriptures, the people that would go into battle, which I think we're facing lots of battles in this world, people that would go in the time that they were successful was when they would pray and ask God what to do. Well, but not even that, but then they did mm-hmm. what God asked them to yeah. do, even if it seemed. I mean, I think that with, you know, the Jericho, mm-hmm. Joshua and the walls of Jericho. I won't sing the song again. Thank you. But like how weird to march around a city mm-hmm. seven times and then blow your trumpets. Yeah. Like that is so weird. And <laughs> it's very humbling. Joshua was a strong, mighty man of God. Mm-hmm. Right. There's no fight in that. Mm-hmm. That yeah. like that is unless you so, can't blow a trumpet, you know, that would be a little like, struggle. But you know yeah. everyone mm-hmm. yeah, like everyone in that in those walls in Jericho were probably mm-hmm. looking at like laughing. I'm sure they got mocked every day. Mm-hmm. But you know what's ironic, Kara? They already knew that God was powerful. Remember Rahab? He said, oh, we've heard of what you've done. We know. So they were already afraid. God wanted 
Joshua and everybody else, the Israelites, to know of his power. And ironically, here was these heathens, here are these people that were not trusting in Jehovah, knew the power of God and was scared to death that they were going to be taken over, which they were. And they were already afraid. But Joshua and the Israelites, because Joshua is this great guy, and he, you know, remember when he went over and he was this spy with Moses, and he comes back and goes, we can take them over. Like, we, you know, it was just uh, Joshua and Caleb is like, you know, trusting God to do it. And everybody else like, oh, my gosh, they're as big as grasshoppers or whatever, you know, and, and they didn't get to go in, and their unbelief caused the entire generation not to go into the promised land. But remember, he was a, a warrior and a fighter, and I just think it was a very humbling time for Joshua for God to say, Joshua, you're a great leader, but you're not me. Yeah. One, he's a great warrior, but mm-hmm. not he's not Lord. I do think Rahab is such a perfect example mm-hmm. of how God honors obedience mm-hmm. in that way. Because in honors faith, like faith and obedience yeah. or obedience and faith, how you know and awareness of who he is. Either way. But mm-hmm. because like she said that and she acted on it. Yeah. She said, Oh, we've heard of your God. So yeah, like I'm gonna I'm going to hide you in here. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do what you say. Like, I'm going to I'm gonna believe in that God that I've heard about. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to believe in the, that power that I've heard about. Mm-hmm. And not only was she saved out of everyone mm-hmm. else in that town or that city got, you know, either killed or taken over, not only was she spared, but she's in the lineage of Jesus. Yeah, Jesus. Absolutely. Boaz. Mm-hmm. So it was like even more so like how God honors like above and beyond And I think that just shows, like, that's what I have to remind myself of, like, I want to please him in that way. Like, just like I would want, you know, like you and dad, like, I'd want you to be, like, proud of me. or I want you to, you know, like, I'd want to, like, give back in some way. And it's like, I think that shows, like, just how much that honors the Lord, where Mm -hmm. he's like, I see what you've sacrificed. I see the step that you took that was hard and trusted me to provide, you know, whatever was on the other side. And not only am I going to spare you and save your life, but I'm going to go above and beyond and, you know, with Rahab putting you in the line of his son. And, you know, like, I don't know, we wouldn't know Rahab's name no. if she hadn't done mm-hmm. hadn't done that. And not even known her name of, I think, what she did with the spies and trusting that Yahweh was exactly who he, who she had heard he was. But I think even more so, like, just being in the lineage, like, she's one of, like, five mm-hmm. or less women that are mentioned. And she's not Jewish. And she's not Jewish, yeah. Which, so anyway, I feel like we could do a whole thing on that alone because I think that there's so much in that that's so powerful and for us to be like, okay, like this is important. Mm -hmm. Like it means a lot. You know, I think we just never know the impact and the triple, you know, the ripple effect of our obedience. And I think that's what, you know, James talks about so much. You show me your faith and I'll show you my faith based on my works. And I think that, that's where it's taking that first step. That's like, you know, what God said to, you know, to Joshua, you you move forward and you put your foot down. And I think that that's what we need to do as uh, believers today, as followers of Jesus today, is that we should put our foot down and we should trust God to do what God, you know, promises to do. Now, that doesn't mean that God has promised me a life of you know, without any heartache or trouble. Matter of fact, he's promised me that in this world I'll have trouble. But he has promised me that there's nothing that can overcome me. There's nothing that can really defeat me 
because I have the, you know, the power of the Holy Spirit within me and I have God, unless I give them that opportunity to destroy me, unless I open up that door for them to come in and roll me over, unless I give them that access, they can't do it. And I think that that's where, you know, is where you're finishing up in Joshua, what some of the things that they need to learn. It's not just these moments of, you know, going through the Jordan River. It's not the moments of walking around and feeling like an idiot, you know, blowing the trumpets seven times, which, you know, was a humbling experience. It's not those aha moments, but it's the everyday. It's trusting God every single day to do what is best and to take care of his children. And I think that that's where the hope is, Kara. It's not, as you said, you said, I'm not hoping in certain things. I'm hoping in God. Well, the hope is the heart of God is that God does love me and God does have a plan and God is faithful to his promise. Remember, God promised Abraham that these people would go into the promised land, would literally inhabit it, this land. And that was many, many, many years ago. But God is faithful to his promise. He will do what he said he will do. And that's where we find our hope. Thanks for listening. I'm so glad that you could be a part of our conversation. To continue the conversation, you can find Dot on social media at Dot Bowen or visit her website, DotBowen.com. Subscribe, like, and share with your friends. And we will see you next week on Write This Down with Dot Bowen.